this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is and you're thinking about starting a podcast, you should probably find out what Anchor is because Anchor is a free way to host your podcasts. It also gives you creation tools like the ability to record yourself, record with other people, edit as well, and do it from your phone or your computer. You don't need to go buy fancy tools to start. You can start with Anchor. And you can hit the nice distribute button, and it's going to send it out to all the places you want it to be, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. In addition to that, you can make money from your podcast with no basic listenership. In other words, if you only have 10 people because you're just starting, you can still monetize that. It's really hard to find a better place to start. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started on the crazy podcast journey. Okay, everybody, I'm popping in here because I kind of made a promise that I might have a little something special for you today. Merry Christmas. And, uh, what I'm going to leave here is going to be five episodes. These are episodes that I originally recorded back in about January. And this was when the show was something very different, when I was still doing this under further questions. And I thought maybe I was going to do a show about the paranormal. And I had on five friends. And these are five episodes. They haven't been living anywhere since then. So I decided, what better day than today? to drop these into your feed. So if something sounds a little out of date and we talk about things before COVID, well, that's because this was before COVID. So enjoy the episodes. Remember what the world was like back then, about a year ago. And uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow when I come back with a new episode. I find Mitch Horwitz's books really interesting because... It's he he comes at, at things from a very different angle in the sense that um, he accepts a lot of things about Christianity and about uh, positive thinking and New Age that most people deject. Yeah, but he's yeah. I mean he's none of those three things, but then he's also very much in those three things, and it's it's very very interesting for me because um, I'm not a religious person, but I did grow up with religion. So seeing somebody be able to work those two things together in such a graceful way has really been, it's been a surprise for me. Wow. You know, I I think I resonate with it in the same way, actually. And I've never considered that. But after I started reading some of his work and uh, after I spoke with him on Euphemet back in the day, um, you know, I think I had an aversion to, to even talking or considering uh, organized religion, you know, uh, to some degree, having grown up in that space, um, kind of uh, not, you know, not being vehemently against it, but, you know, maybe just ambivalent towards some of it. And right. I think some of the notions and when when people would start talking about God or Christianity, I'd, I'd be turned off immediately in a way that I couldn't even rationalize until I started watching how individuals like Mitch would navigate those waters and learn from certain things and, and take, 
certain philosophies and, and, and illustrate why they're important to us, like sort of culturally and personally, that I think some of my aversion to that has drifted. Maybe it's, maybe it's just getting older and, and getting less, you know, sort of aggressive uh, against certain things and, and, and feeling like one has to take a stand on certain elements that has aided this. But certainly I think Mitch's work helps in that. I've been interested in what I, I refer to this area as the unreal, but in the unreal, the unknown, the weird for most of my life, but in more of a passive way. But then deciding to actually have the show focus on that, obviously I had to lean into it more. Sure. And in doing that, I started to realize that there's a certain perspective from both sides, from the, the non-Christian and the Christian side that um, we'll call the non-Christian side in, the, in this case, um, pagan, just as a blanket term, that they're against each other, that, the, you know, they're polar opposites. But me coming in the way that I did and starting to actually look at it from this perspective especially with the aid of Mitch Horowitz, started to realize that the two have so much more in common than uh, the atheist perspective has with either of them. Yeah. You know, they mm -hmm. they, they both believe in the supernatural. Um, prayer and a spell aren't really that different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're kind of exactly the same thing, actually. Yeah, both steeped in esoteric ritual. Exactly. In, in, in all sorts of uh, indoctrinations and rites of passage um, and just a connection to the other side uh, channeling. Right. I mean, what is more paranormal than stepping inside of the Catholic Church? Right. You know, and it's that point where I, I think you're right that once you start really accepting or digging into this material of the unreal, the unknown, I think I think you you come to that place, especially if you start experiencing things yourself. You you come to that place, uh, uh, Chapel Perilous. You know, one of my favorite authors ever, Robert Anton Wilson, describes this place, and it's where you either you know sort of accept that you're in the unknown, unknown now, or you sort of leave a stark raving agnostic. And um, you know, I, I think at that point, uh, the inclusion of a lot of this stuff is is then presented to you in a new way and it was like well hey what you know what is the difference between some of the rites and rituals and beliefs that's in this old ancient book um from some of these other notions from john keel or something and some of his in some mm -hmm. of his work you know so it's very interesting and how do you feel like that journey just turning the table on you real quick because I can't help myself. So apologies. <laughs> um, how do you feel that that journey for you is going right now? Are you finding yourself still two feet on the ground at this point? Have you spun out yet? I have not spun out yet. Actually, Ryan Singer and I were DMing about this because I, I, I'm like, some, I got to ask somebody who's gone through this. Because I started experiencing first, the first thing I started to experience was a sudden like intensity of emotion, mm. like um, not not in the sense that it was um, it was associated with anything. I just started feeling specifically feeling anger. Like I would be walking and I'm I'm walking the dog and going, I'm really angry right now. Why am I angry? Mm. Where is this intensity coming from? And th over time, I started to think about I'm like. Oh, maybe, you know, like I opened the door 
you know, like maybe I'm being flooded with new energy because I've opened this door. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of worked itself out. And then maybe three weeks ago, I started having like very strange nightmares, I'm wrestling with dark entities and things like that. Like, oh, mm. so this is interesting. I'm not sure, you know, like, and we can be there briefly. This is the podcast version of It Matters, But It Doesn't, which is also available in blog and newsletter form. So if you would like to reference the original post or leave a comment, you can do so at itmatters.substack.com, where you can also subscribe to the newsletter version. And when you get there, you will also discover that there are both free and paid subscriptions available. The paid subscribers will help to pay for the work that I do to write these episodes. And they will also allow me to keep this free for those who can't afford to support right now. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you when I see you. Take the 10,000 or whatever, 1,000 experiments that Thomas Edison went through to figure out what the best filament was. So like in the, in the movie, they show this as somebody selling something for $10. But if you're a copier and you come along and you're not the person that originally created this, you just come along and go, I'm going to make what they made, what they just invented. You can charge just for the manufacturing because you didn't spend any time or any money on development. So you can sell the same light bulb for $5. It's an expensive light bulb. (laughs) You get my point. You can sell it for cheaper. So what ends up happening is more people buy the copy and the, the, the actual creator, the original person, gets fucked over. Think about that in context of writing a novel. Writing a novel takes a lot of time. You write the novel and then you got to pay for the cost of the book to be printed, but you also want to put in that the time that it took for you to write it. You know, your average novelist writes like one book a year. Sometimes like if you're if you're George R. R. Martin, one book every like six years. <laughs> Somebody comes along and steals your book and sells it. First of all, they're stealing your book, but and then sells it, they don't have to charge the same price that you would. They can just charge for the paper. So all these people would buy your story, but not from you. So that's what copyright law was originally uh, 